0: Prophetic counselling, uh, week three. Okay, so while we were worshipping, the reason that I turned the music down is because I felt God say that I needed to share testimony with you. And I'm going to just share one or two little stories with you about my journey of growing in faith. Um, when, we, when we gave our hearts, when we gave our lives to Jesus, the day that he said to me, Kathy, will you give up everything and follow me? I, I wrestled. Because first of all, I said, yes, God, of course I will. And for three weeks, he would flash things in front of my head. And I'd wake up and I'd have a vision of something that I was holding on to that was, that was more important than Jesus. And every time he showed me, I would wrestle because I knew I had to give it up. And it was very difficult for me. And then after three weeks of saying, yeah, I'll do that, God, I'll do that, God, I'll do that, God, I'll do that, God. But I was crying. It was, it was so difficult because he started with family. He started with the people you love. He started with the people that, you, that you've placed before the king. And, and I just wept every time. And then finally he said to me, you have an old clock that you inherited. I never inherited anything from my grandparents. And I've always loved antiques and I had to collect my own. But my grandfather left me an old clock. And he said, you inherited that clock. I said, yes, I did. He said, your brother wanted it. He said, give it to him. Sure. So I said, okay, God. So i took my clock and i gave it to my brother and i said to my brother you're the one with his name it should have come to you it shouldn't have come to me you can have the clock and as i gave it to him i felt shackles fall off me it was like and i was free and i went home and i said god what's next what's next what's next He is nothing else and you know it was so amazing because when i moved back to westville to start on my own ministry the first thing that my brother did he said you know what I've had this for 25 years, it's your turn now, and he gave me the clock back. Awesome. How amazing is that? Mm-hmm. But that was, that was just the, that little restoration. But I, I start with that story. To tell you, then God took us on a journey where we had to live by faith. So I've been living by faith basically since 1986, but completely without any assistance since 1990. And, um, and then God said, I'm going to take you by faith. And he led us. Our first church plant was a church plant that we went there and we were given a car. We were given a church building. We were given the chairs in the building. We had a small congregation. There was a preschool. Um, we had a house, a rented house. Um, everything was just so cozy. And they said, this is, this is what you will get when, when you go there. Well, when we visited, everything was there, including a congregation of about 50 people. When we came back a month or so later to move in, we discovered the congregation had been borrowed. (gasps) Borrowed? Yes, from other churches. (laughs) That it wasn't our congregation. We also discovered that the urn belonged to somebody, and they came to fetch it. We also discovered that the sound system belonged to somebody else, and they came to fetch it. We discovered the school that we were now going to run, the little preschool that we ran, that all the equipment belonged to somebody else. And they were coming to fetch it, or we had to pay them 15,000 rand. We also discovered the car that we'd been shown and promised was never theirs to give. And then we moved into the house at about two o'clock in the morning in the middle of ice cold Secunda. My husband was in shorts and a t-shirt because we've just come from Durban. We broke down on the journey. We were frozen. My children were frozen. It was just and we were in summer clothes with with I've never had such cold winters as I had in Secunda. And um and we moved into the house and within about two weeks of moving in, we discovered every promise that we had didn't exist. And then we got a letter from the people that owned the house to say that they couldn't let us rent the house. And then we got a letter to discover the church was in incredible debt, incredible debt, and that we were now liable for it. And then we had three times, I think, I don't want to exaggerate now, but I think it was three times we had the, the, the courts come to arrest my husband for what the previous pastor had done. And we kept saying, no, well, actually, it's not the same man. You can't arrest him. Um, And we found ourselves in a foreign town, not knowing anybody, with the only thing that we actually had was a building, one of those best directors in Secunda. That's all we had. Everything that was inside of that was taken out. We did have a few chairs. And then we discovered that the congregation really consisted of 12 people. And that the the name of the church was hated in town because they owed money everywhere. The reputation of the man that had been there, he'd had five affairs with five different women at the same time, so his reputation stumped. So no one wanted anything to do with us, with the church, with the congregation. We were illegally in our home. We were Ill- we, the card didn't exist. the The phones, each each of the phones had a, an account of thousands of rands over over owing, the a church phone and the house phone. I mean, the story just goes on and on and on. And we suddenly found ourselves with nothing. We'd been released from our church with a go and do this thing for Jesus. This is amazing. You're going to serve our king. Goodbye. And the only money we had in our account was the last salary check that we'd had, which was 4,000 rand before debt, before things being taken off. And we stood there drowning in this ocean of debt and in the fact that here yeah, we had a church that was meant to be our support and the first month's income was 179 Rand. And it didn't even it didn't it didn't even buy food. Never mind cover anything. And we stood there and we said, God, now what? Oh yes, and I didn't tell you the cherry on top. So we have our first church meeting. And we both passionate to come and bring the gospel and talk about the Holy Spirit and into a very Afrikaans conservative community that gave me three titles. It was Domini's Fro something, something, something. And, and we, with passion, shared the gospel. And we had a church split <laughs> after the first meeting. And we were left with six people. So this was our congregation. And we came before God. We said, God, have we missed you? Because, I mean, the obvious thing that anyone would think is we've missed God. And he said, no you haven't, I told you it was a broken church. And then we said, well now what God, we can't, we can't live, we can't survive, I had two little children, we can't survive, what do we do now? And he said, you trust me. And then we said, well should one of us go and work? What must we do? And he said, I called you and I asked you if you'd give up everything to follow me. Now will you give up everything to follow me? And we said, yes God. And we started calling in and praying. And calling in and praying. And the first thing that we said, God, what do you want us to do? He said, there's six weeks to the new year, start a school. We, we got a hold of the Christian education at that point of time. We said, um, we've got six weeks to the new year, we want to start a school. They said, what have you got? We said, nothing. We said, but God said start a school. So they said, how much money have you got? So we gathered around, we asked around who was prepared to make a donation towards the school. We gathered 800 rand. We said 800 rand. They said, well, it's going to take you six months and 8,000 rand just to start with the beginnings. You've got six weeks and 800 rand. So we said, well, that's enough seed. Six weeks later, my husband and I working day and night we took everything we could find that was scrap. we built desks, we did whatever it took. A man arrives at our door and he says, what are you doing? We said, we're building a school. He said, well, I'm a retired carpenter, can I help you? He starts helping us. I've got some old wood at home, he says. He brings the wood, six weeks later we opened a school with nothing, absolutely nothing. And then we said, well, God, what do we do? We had one teacher. One of the ladies that had joined our church was radical. She's, she's, um, she walked into the church. As she walked into the church, God said to me, your lives are eternally connected. I met her at the gate with the door going out, and we became instant best friends. We still are incredibly good friends. She's my, she's, my, she's my sister. And she said, well, I'm a teacher. Can I help you? And she said, well, we said, we can't pay you. She said, I don't care. I just want to be part of what you're doing. Six weeks later, we opened a school. Why am I telling you this? Because I'm telling you, we're in a place right now where everything looks bleak. We're in a place right now where there's no hope. We're in a place right now where businesses are crashing. We're in a place right now where God is saying, now are you honestly going to believe that I am who I say I am? God told us that we would be in Secunda for three and a half years, and then we got a prophetic word, 1,260 days. So we arrived there. There wasn't a day that I didn't have to pray for food. There wasn't a day that I didn't have to say to Jesus, Jesus, my children, we were homeschooling our kids and it was illegal. They were going to arrest us. for So we had to close the curtains during the day so that they could carry on with school because you still had truant officers walking around. So we illegally taught our kids because God said homeschool them. So we illegally taught them until we started our little school, started a preschool and started with class one. So my daughter did her standard, I think, seven and eight in a preschool, um, to be able to qualify. But we had, we had the ACE system, we had a teacher, the next minute we had kids, we had kids coming in, um, and slowly but surely, then the people came and they said, we need the money for the, for the junk outside, and it was junk. It was, it was, a, it was a, 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 a play a, um, gym and all kinds of, but it was broken, it was old, it was junk. You owe us 15,000 rand. so we said, no, actually we don't. The person who owes it isn't here, but you take your junk and leave. I don't want that junk, so we said, nor do we. So they said, oh, well, you just better keep it. Debt written off. And we just started seeing, step by step, we went to the owner of the house. We said to the owner of the house, I'm sorry, we've been brought here under false pretenses um, we now realize that we're violating you by moving into your house, but we didn't understand that. Please, could we just have grace? We'll see what we can do in the meantime. Um, but would you mind if we could just stay a month so that we can just see what... But now we've got no money to go anywhere else. Anyway, the next minute, we, we, uh, the floor in the bedroom starts collapsing. So we phone them and we say to them, listen, the floor, in the floor in the bedroom is collapsing, in the main bedroom. He said, that's terrible. Let's come and have a look. They come and have a look. He says to me, you know what? I can't rent this house out to anybody. The floor's collapsing in the bedroom. We said, yes. He said, it's going to take me about two or three months to repair it. Would you mind moving out of that room, living in the rest of the house, and we will just charge you 500 grand a month for staying here? Mm-hmm. We said, oh, it's going to be such a hard thing to do, but we will do it. Suddenly, we had a hope. Well, they had to fix the bedroom we had a home and they kept having problems with the bedroom. It's exactly what she was teaching about how the enemy, put, they kept having problems. And the longer they had problems, the more we had a home. Eventually, we won such favor with them that they just said, stay. And we were able to stay in that house. But I'm telling you, step by step, little by little. And God said, you may not go and get money on your own. You may not move into, into your flesh. You may not go into striving. You have to trust me. We were there three and a half years, 1,260 days. The day that we we saw miracles, that's where I saw my first uh, dead person being raised. That's where we saw people being healed supernaturally. They'll tell us that there's a baby that was born retarded, a baby that was born that's got no hope. We would go pray there, get the people praying there. We had our faith levels were out of this roof. I want to tell you, I learned there that nothing is impossible for God. If He said it, He's going to do it. That's it. What's your problem? Prophetic counselling, uh, week three. Okay, so while we were worshipping, the reason that I turned the music down is because I felt God say that I needed to share testimony with you. And I'm going to just share one or two little stories with you about my journey of growing in faith. Um, when, we, when we gave our hearts, when we gave our lives to Jesus, the day that he said to me, Kathy, will you give up everything and follow me? I, I wrestled. Because first of all, I said, yes, God, of course I will. And for three weeks he would flash things in front of my head and I wake up and I'd have a vision of something that I was holding on to that was that was more important than Jesus and every time he showed me I would wrestle because I knew I had to give it up and it was very difficult for me and then after three weeks of saying yeah I'll do that God I'll do that God I'll do that God I'll do that God but I was crying it was it was so difficult because he started with family he started with the people you love. He started with the people that, you, that you've placed before the king. And, and I just wept every time. And then finally he said to me, you have an old clock that you inherited. I never inherited anything from my grandparents. And I've always loved antiques and I had to collect my own. But my grandfather left me an old clock. And he said, you inherited that clock. I said, yes, I did. He said, your brother wanted it. He said, give it to him. Sure. So I said, okay, God. So I took my clock and I gave it to my brother. And I said to my brother, you're the one with his name. It should have come to you. It shouldn't have come to me. You can have the clock. And as I gave it to him, I felt shackles fall off me. It was like, and I was free. And I went home and I said, God, what's next? What's next? What's next? He said, nothing else. And, you know, it was so amazing because when I moved back to Westville to start on my own ministry, the first thing that my brother did, he said, you know what? I've had this for 25 years, it's your turn now, and he gave me the clock back. Oh, sure. How amazing is that? Mm-hmm. But that was, that was just the, that little restoration. But I, I start with that story. To tell you, then God took us on a journey where we had to live by faith. So I've been living by faith basically since 1986, but completely without any assistance since 1990. And, um, and then God said, I'm going to take you by faith. And he led us. Our first church plant was a church plant that we went there and we were given a car, we were given a church building, we were given the chairs in the building, we had a small congregation, there was a preschool, um, we had a house, a rented house. Um, everything was just so cozy and they said, this is, this is what you will get when when you go there. Well, when we visited, everything was there, including a congregation of about 50 people When we came back a month or so later to move in, we discovered the congregation had been borrowed. (gasps) Borrowed? Yes, from other churches. (laughs) That it wasn't our congregation. We also discovered that the urn belonged to somebody and they came to fetch it. We also discovered that the sound system belonged to somebody else and they came to fetch it. We discovered the school that we were now going to run, the little preschool that we ran, that all the equipment belonged to somebody else. And they were coming to fetch it, or we had to pay them fifteen thousand rand. We also discovered the car that we'd been shown and promised was never theirs to give. And then we moved into the house at about two o'clock in the morning in the middle of ice cold secunda. My husband was in shorts and a t-shirt because we've just come from Durban. We broke down on the journey. We were frozen, my children were frozen. It was just and we were in summer clothes with with I've never had such cold winters as I had in Sekunda, And um and we moved into the house, and within about two weeks of moving in, we discovered every promise that we had didn't exist. And then we got a letter from the people that owned the house to say that they couldn't let us rent the house. And then we got a letter to discover the church was in incredible debt, incredible debt, and that we were now liable for it. And then we had three times, I think, I don't want to exaggerate now, but I think it was three times, we had the, the, the courts come to arrest my husband for what the previous pastor had done. And we kept saying, no, well, actually, it's not the same man. You can't arrest him. Um, And we found ourselves in a foreign town, not knowing anybody, with the only thing that we actually had was a building, one of those best directors in Secunda. That's all we had. Everything that was inside of that was taken out. We did have a few chairs. And then we discovered that the congregation really consisted of 12 people, and that the, the name of the church was hated in town because they owed money everywhere. The reputation of the man that had been there, he'd had five affairs with five different women at the same time, so his reputation stumped. So no one wanted anything to do with us, with the church, with the congregation. We were illegally in our home. We were Ill- we, The car didn't exist. The The phones, each each of the phones had a, an account of thousands of rands over... over owing, a church phone and the house phone. I mean, the story just goes on and on and on. And we suddenly found ourselves with nothing. We'd been released from our church with a go and do this thing for Jesus. This is amazing. You're going to serve our king. Goodbye. And the only money we had in our account was the last salary check that we'd had, which was 4,000 rand before debt, before things being taken off. And we stood there drowning in this ocean of debt, and in the fact that yeah, we had a church that was meant to be our support, and the first month's income was 179 rand, and it didn't even, it didn't, it didn't even buy food, never mind cover anything, and we stood there and we said, God, now what? Oh yes, and I didn't tell you the cherry on top. So we have our first church meeting. And we both passionate to come and bring the gospel and talk about the Holy Spirit and into a very Afrikaans conservative community that gave me three titles. It was Domini's Fro something, something, something. And, and we, with passion, shared the gospel. And we had a church split okay. <laughs> after the first meeting. And we were left with six people. So this was our congregation. And we came before God. We said, God, have we missed you? Because, I mean, the obvious thing that anyone would think is we've missed God. And he said, no, you haven't. I told you it was a broken church. And then we said, well, now what, God? We can't, we can't live. We can't survive. I had two little children. We can't survive. What do we do now? And he said, you trust me. And then we said, well, should one of us go and work? What must we do? And he said, I called you, and I asked you if you'd give up everything to follow me. Now, will you give up everything to follow me? And we said, yes, God. And we started calling in and praying. And calling in and praying and the first thing that we said God what do you want us to do he said there's six weeks to the new year start a school we, we got a hold of a Christian education at that point of time we said um, we've got six weeks to the new year we want to start a school they said what have you got we said nothing We said but God said start a school So they said, how much money have you got? So we gathered around, we asked around who was prepared to make a donation towards the school. We gathered 800 Rand. We said 800 Rand. They said, well, it's going to take you six months and 8,000 Rand just to start with the beginnings. You've got six weeks and 800 Rand. So we said, well, that's enough seed. Six weeks later, my husband and I working day and night. We took everything we could find that was scrap. We built desks. We did whatever it took. A man arrives at our door and he says, what are you doing? We said, we're building, the, we're building a school. He said, well, I'm a retired carpenter. Can I help you? He starts helping us. I've got some old wood at home, he says. He brings the wood. Six weeks later, we opened a school with nothing, absolutely nothing. Then we said, well, God, what do we do? We had one teacher. One of the ladies that had joined our church was radical. She's, she's, um, she walked into the church. As she walked into the church, God said to me, your lives are eternally connected. I met her at the gate with the door going out and we became instant best friends. We still are incredibly good friends. She's my, she's my, she's my sister. And she said, well, I'm a teacher. Can I help you? And she said, well, we, said, we can't pay you. She said, I don't care. I just want to be part of what you're doing. Six weeks later, we opened a school. Why am I telling you this? Because I'm telling you, we're in a place right now where everything looks bleak. We're in a place right now where there's no hope. We're in a place right now where businesses are crashing. We're in a place right now Where God is saying, now are you honestly going to believe that I am who I say I am? God told us that we would be in Secunda for three and a half years, and then we got a prophetic word, 1,260 days. So we arrived there. There wasn't a day that I didn't have to pray for food. There wasn't a day that I didn't have to say to Jesus, Jesus, my children... We were homeschooling our kids and it was illegal. They were going to arrest us. for, So we had to close the curtains during the day so that they could carry on with school because you still had truant officers walking around. So we illegally taught our kids because God said homeschool them. So we illegally taught them until we started our little school, started a preschool and started with class one. So my daughter did her standard, I think, seven and eight in a preschool. Um, to be able to qualify. But we had, we had the ACE system, we had a teacher, the next minute we had kids, we had kids coming in, um, and slowly but surely then the people came and they said, we need the money for the, for the junk outside, and it was junk. It was, it was a, 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 a play a, um, gym and all kinds of, but it was broken, it was old, it was junk. You owe us 15,000 rand. So we said, no, actually we don't. The person who owes it isn't here, but you take your junk and leave. I don't want that junk, so we said, nor do we. So they said, oh, well, you just better keep it. Debt written off. And we just started seeing, step by step, we went to the owner of the house. We said to the owner of the house, I'm sorry, we've been brought here under false pretenses. Um, we now realize that we're violating you by moving into your house, but we didn't understand that. Please, could we just have grace? We'll see what we can do in the meantime. Um, but would you mind if we could just stay a month so that we can just see what... But now we've got no money to go anywhere else. Anyway, the next minute, we, we, uh, the floor in the bedroom starts collapsing. So we phone them and we say to them, listen, the floor, the floor in the bedroom is collapsing, in the main bedroom. He said, that's terrible. Let's come and have a look. They come and have a look. He says to me, you know what? I can't rent this house out to anybody. The floor's collapsing in the bedroom. We said, yes. He said, it's going to take me about two or three months to repair it. Would you mind moving out of that room, living in the rest of the house, and we will just charge you 500 grand a month for staying here? Mm-hmm. We said, oh, it's going to be such a hard thing to do, but we will do it. Suddenly, we had a hope. Well, they had to fix the bedroom, we had a home and they kept having problems with the bedroom. It's exactly what she was teaching about how got, the enemy, they kept having problems. And the longer they had problems, the more we had a home. Eventually, we won such favor with them that they just said, stay. And we were able to stay in that house. But I'm telling you, step by step, little by little. And God said, you may not go and get money on your own. You may not move into, into your flesh. You may not go into striving. You have to trust me. We were there three and a half years, 1,260 days. The day that we we saw miracles, that's where I saw my first uh, dead person being raised. That's where we saw people being healed supernaturally. They'll tell us that there's a baby that was born retarded, a baby that was born that's got no hope. We would go pray there, get the people praying there. We had our faith levels were out of this roof. I want to tell you, I learned there that nothing is impossible for God. If He said it, He's going to do it. That's it. What's your problem?